to Chasing Dramas. This is the podcast that discusses Chinese history and culture through historical Chinese dramas. We are your hosts, Karen and Kathy. Today, we will discuss episode 43 of the story of Minglan or Zhifou, Zhifou, Ying Shi Lu Fei Hong Shou. This podcast is in English with proper nouns and certain Chinese phrases spoken in Mandarin Chinese. If you have any questions, please reach out to us on Instagram or Twitter at Chasing Dramas or else email us at Karen and Kathy at ChasingDramas.com. Also, please leave us a rating on whatever platform you listen to us to. We also have a new poll on our website. We are more than halfway through the current drama and are looking to you to vote for what drama we should discuss next. Please head on over to ChasingDramas.com to vote. As always, we will start off our podcast episode with the episode recap of the drama. We will do some historical analysis and then close off with some book differences. Today's episode is a little, I guess, on the shorter side, um, as there's not as much historical analysis to discuss, but let's start off with where we were in the last episode. Minglan began to manage the household as the wife of Gu Tingye. Her in-laws, though, particularly her evil stepmother-in-law, planted spies in the form of servants in her staff. Minglan was able to establish herself as the leader of the household, but that doesn't mean the new servants will fully listen to her. Now, in episode 43, she must figure out how to remove these spies. Let's see what she does. It's the evening, and Gu Tingye has returned home to find Minglan still poring over staff notes that were captured earlier in the day. She is rightfully stressed out. Gu Tingye hilariously gives no good advice. He just recommends rounding them up and throwing them out of their household. Minglan quickly dismisses that idea. Their reputation is important. What would the court say if they found out that Gu Tingye is treating elderly servants that way? This is the real challenge. It's not an issue of expelling a servant, but the method of expulsion has to be legitimate. In other words, it has to be the fault of the servant, not simply because Gu Tingye and Minglan don't want them as spies around. Otherwise, the gossip will be that Minglan is a bully and disrespectful of her in-laws' gifts of helping her. The couple then get into some cute banter over some of the younger female servants. Minglan has no objection for Gu Tingye to see these younger female servants because she states that he'll have to take a concubine anyways. She won't get jealous. In her mind, she is acting as a very gracious and understanding wife. But Gu Tingye immediately asks her why she won't get jealous and then gets sulky again. Minglan, seeing this, playfully pretends to get all jealous and hits him with a pillow and he's appeased. Anyways, it's a cute scene, but Gu Tingye, she married you for like four days. Of course, she's not going to have feelings for you. So... Just let it rest. Wait for a bit, okay? But to showcase how problematic these new servants can be, we see Lai Mama, or Nanny Lai, who is considered the leader of this group of servants as she used to work for the stepmother, 
accosting another maid as a bunch of them carry armloads of items into the manor. The maid reveals that all of this stuff are actually gifts from other members of court, and the servants have been tasked to accept them all. Well, this is news to Nanny Lai, and she quickly scuttles away to inform somebody. Sure enough, the next day, Madame Qin, or Qin Da Nianzi, the stepmother, comes to question Minglan. After Minglan helps Gu Tingye prep for training, uh, or going to the training area, Gu Tingye heads out for the day, but he sees a litter from the Marquis Manor head towards his home. Afraid that Minglan cannot handle his stepmother, he doubles back to make sure Minglan's okay. His servants stand over his stepmother's maids menacingly so they don't warn anyone of Gu Tingye's appearance. I am very pleased with him here for this action because, you know, he doesn't actually have to intervene. He's just there in case Milan can't handle it. Now that is a good husband. But Gu Tingye needn't have worried. The whole exchange between Milan and Qin Da Nianzi is, in my eyes, hilarious. You know Qin Da Nianzi isn't going to win this round when Milan comes to greet her and doesn't even curtsy to her. Qin Da Nianzi half stands up, expecting a curtsy, and says like, oh, you, you're fine. But nope, Milan just straight up sits down. Qin Da Nianzi awkwardly sits back down. She's like, half up, half not. But it's hilarious. Although, in reality, this action was quite dangerous for Milan because um, what she did was actually quite rude to not curtsy to her elders. To me, she's establishing that even though Qin Da Nianzi has come to visit her, it's still her Minglan's space. Qin Da Nianzi starts off the conversation by questioning Minglan as to why the two nannies, Nanny Lai and Nanny Diao or Lai Mama and Diao Mama, still haven't received their positions. Qin Da Nianzi passively accuses Minglan of believing these two nannies are not capable of posts and that's why they aren't staffed yet. Minglan calmly diffuses this accusation by saying that Diao Mama has injuries and therefore she doesn't want to overwork Diao Mama. As for Nanny Lai, she's a seasoned veteran and thus Minglan doesn't want to rush into staffing her yet. Qin Da Nianzi pauses for a second and has to accept this answer, but she moves on to the more egregious fault. Minglan has been accepting gifts from everyone who provides them. This is unacceptable because, why? It would equate to corruption and accepting bribes. This is something Qin Da Nianzi can claim as a win against Minglan if this was true. Minglan, though, doesn't bat an eye and calmly states that she really has not accepted gifts. Qin Da Nianzi does not believe her, so Minglan recounts what her husband told her. And you'll notice every time there's an issue in this time period, women can just hide behind their husbands. And so that is what Minglan does. She brings out that her husband, so Gu Tingye, has said that the current political climate is not stable. If she doesn't accept any gifts, she'll create enemies for her husband everywhere. But if she does only receive gifts selectively, she'll be accused of creating factions. Therefore, she has been 
accepting all gifts, but not removing any seals. She has also been documenting each gift they've received and then notifying the emperor himself so that she and Gu Tingye can submit these gifts to the emperor. You'll see immediately that Qin Da Niangzi's face changes. She was all ready to tell off Ming Lan, but now she doesn't really have grounds to stand on. Instead, she's like, Oh, well, I didn't realize that your husband was so, um, good at scheming now. Gu Tingye is at least able to rest easy knowing his wife has not been bullied as this Qin Da Niangzi leaves shortly after. Well, what does this entire visit tell us, though? As Ming Lan and her maids debrief after Qin Da Niangzi leaves, it's evident that the likes of Nanny Lai have informed Qin Da Niangzi of the comings and goings within Gu Tingye's household. Qin Da Niangzi knew that both Nanny Lai and Nanny Diao don't have posts, and she knew that Ming Lan was accepting gifts. Both of these two pieces of information are not until Minglan would have shared with Qin Da Niangzi herself. So it's pretty reasonable to assume that one of the new staff went to uh, rat on her. Though the fact that Nanny Lai didn't tell Qin Da Niangzi all of Minglan's activities with the gifts tells me that Nanny Lai lacks full investigative capabilities Otherwise, she would have told Qin Da Niangzi that the gifts were sealed and saved. Qin Da Niangzi, the embarrassment of a failed interrogation. There's also, in my mind, the whole uh, reason that Nanny Lai doesn't know is because Milan made her see this scene. Well, Qin Da Niangzi, finding no fault, has no other choice but to leave in a huff. And that is another round won by Ming Lan. Last episode, she vanquished the fifth aunt, and now, same with Qin Da Niangzi. Gu Tingye, who has been waiting for news on the sidelines, is impressed to hear of Ming Lan's victory and happily heads towards the training fields. Ming Lan, though, returns back to her quarters, pissed about everything that just happened because, of course, there are spies in the staff. She needs to spend extra effort to deal with all of them now. Xiao Tao is also hilarious here. She's so pissed at what just happened, but she has no other way of showing her frustration. So all she does is like fan the flames of tea very angrily. She's like, ah, why are we subject to such scrutiny? It was easier to live back at the Sheng family. <laughs> the conflict with the maids is just getting started, though. As we hit the midway point of the episode, Nanny Lai is gossiping with a couple of other middle-aged maids about all the roles Minglan has established in Chengyuan or Cheng Gardens, which is where Minglan and Gu Tingye have moved. These maids immediately turn to Nanny Lai as their leader and continue to talk poorly about Minglan. Quite frankly, it's astonishing to hear some of the words that are coming out of Nanny Lai's mouth. She's a servant and saying stuff like, it's not proper for a shu nu to be so jealous. Who does she think she is? Xiao Tao overhears this and is rightly furious. Who does Nanny Lai think she is? 
How dare Nanny Lai talk about the madam of the household in such a way? But Xiao Tao can't find real evidence against Nanny Lai and can only let these words slide this time. Minglan's oldest sister Hualan also comes over to tell Minglan that all of Bianjing, aka the capital, is saying nothing but bad things about Minglan as well. Clearly, Minglan's stepmother has been spreading the worst rumors about Minglan far and wide while making it seem like she, the stepmother, has been bullied even though Minglan and we know she's the one causing all the trouble. Minglan, unfortunately, doesn't have a lot of options, though, right now. Her stepmother is established in the capital. She's the widow of a marquee. Minglan, on the other hand, is a shunyu, recently married to Gu Tingye. Very few people are going to listen to Minglan's explanation. With no other choice, Minglan rounds up the maids and provides them with staffing instructions. She pretty much gives each of these maids the position they held while they were working for Qin Da Niangzi. At first, it seems like this is Minglan admitting defeat to the servants. Indeed, Nanny Lai in particular immediately starts talking poorly of Minglan to some of the other maids. She complains about the rules that Minglan has imposed and the lack of connections they're allowed to bring to the manor. However, in my view, Minglan's tactic this entire time was to let these problematic people do their thing as it will inevitably catch up to them. Indeed, shortly after, Nanny Lai is confronted by a maid for stealing from the family and blaming it on new maids. It's only been a few days since receiving this new post, but because this Lai Mama or Nanny Lai is in charge of many things, especially procurement, which is purchasing, she thinks no one can report her for her actions. She also constantly hides behind the fact that she used to report for the stepmother, Qin Da Niangzi. Minglan sees the scene, and right after this little tryst, calls in the maid who confronted Nanny Lai to her main hall. For the entire hall of other servants to uh, overhear, Minglan promotes, quote-unquote, promotes, this maid to manage the gardens, which requires interfacing with funds or money. This maid is, of course, over the moon with this assignment. Minglan is using this as a signal to the rest of the household as to who she prefers, especially after the fact that this happened right after this little confrontation between this maid and Nanny Lai. This seems to be the right play, as this maid soon confronts Nanny Lai again. Jeez, Lai Mama or Nanny Lai, um, get your shit together. <laughs> she was found taking valuable tree branches that she seems like she's going to sell on the market for a profit. Of course, Nanny Lai roundly denies this and starts attacking anyone who accuses her. This unseemly sight is seen throughout the manor, as even Gu Tingye's daughter Rong Jie runs around trying to see the action. Chang Momo, Gu Tingye's wet nurse and current caretaker for Rong Jie, also sees this and asks Minglan what her view is on the current dynamics in the household. After all, everyone can tell that it's not peaceful. Literally, the entire capital city can tell that uh, she's doing a 
poor job, quote unquote, poor job. Milan explains that it's not worth it to reprimand someone for small demeanors or misdemeanors. If you punish them too often for these small things, the servants will realize you don't mean business and then will no longer be afraid of you. And so Milan asks for Chang Mama's help. This conversation to me is actually highly reminiscent of the ones that Jin Huan would have with her mates in Empresses in the Palace and how the emperor enacted many of his punishments. Remember Nian Geng Yao and Hua Fei? The emperor let those two disregard his imperial authority and place them on a pedestal only to crush them when the evidence mounted against them to such a degree that the emperor was able to wipe them out all in one fell swoop. This is the tactic that Minglan is looking to employ. Do you think Minglan watched Empress in the Palace? <laughs> Maybe. In the next episode, we will see exactly what kind of help Chang Moma provides Minglan and how Minglan plans to clean house. There were a few... Other scenes peppered in the episode that continue to showcase family life at Cheng Yuan or Cheng Garden for Minglan and Gu Tingye. In one scene, it's raining outside and Gu Tingye returns home soaking wet. He is a little pissy because Minglan didn't notice what he took to get to court, thus resulting in him getting rained on. This again is another example of Minglan not fully paying attention to him as a lover, and that's why he's upset. He feels that if she truly cared, she would have noticed how he or what method of transportation he took to court every day rather than how she expects him to go to court. He normally rides horses rather than take carriages or litters, which is probably what most people take to court. But he being Gu Tingye is like, nah, I'm just going to take a horse. There is also a cute scene with Minglan spending time with Guo Tingye's daughter, Rongjie. From a plot perspective, I think this primarily highlights to us that Rongjie is already rather learned. She spent time with her dad learning poems while she was younger on the boat, and then is now at a private women's study, courtesy of Minglan's brother and sister-in-law. So this uh, women's study is run by Minglan's sister-in-law's family. It seems, though, for Rongjie that her affinity towards certain activities is more like Minglan, a.k.a. in the boyish activities. Rongjie wants to learn to play polo from Minglan, but she's a little young, and Minglan's like, what about, let me teach you how to go fishing. None of these are necessarily womanly uh, activities, but that's why I guess Minglan and Rongjie get along so well together. In the last scene of this episode, we randomly turn to the young duke, Qi Hong, and his family. We haven't seen him in four episodes, and he wasn't doing well. His parents are gossiping about what Minglan has been up to. Princess Pingning actually is like, oh my god, thank god she didn't marry into my household. Um, excuse you, you're the one who was like, I'm fine with her. Like, a couple episodes ago. Ugh, jeez, you're the worst. This is overheard by Qi Hong, who at this point is a shell of a person. 
Despite this, though, he still quietly stands up to his parents for speaking poorly of Milan. The two key takeaways from this conversation, though, is that one, Chi Hong, who has been ill for probably a while from heartbreak, is now ready to take a position in court. After all, he did place on the imperial exam, so he should be assigned a position. And number two, he accepts whatever marriage his parents prepare for him. The one he wants to marry is already married to another. His heart is dead. And that is it for the episode recap. Like I said, there's not a whole lot of historical analysis to discuss in this episode, but we will talk about a few. First is Li Tang. This is a little bit of a personal connection. What is Li Tang? Just briefly, when Minglan returns to her rooms after Qin Danyangzi's visit, she is chugging water. And shortly after, her maid comes with a pot of soup and indicates that this is Li Tang. It's a small detail, but one that is near and dear to our hearts. Li Tang is simply pear soup. You cut up the pears and boil them. You can add rock, sugar, goji berries, and other ingredients to add flavor, but the purpose in Chinese medicine is to help clear the throat or help when your throat is dry. It is a staple in Chinese households, even to this day, because I make it all the time, um, particularly in the fall or the spring when the uh, seasons are changing. And so when I see Minglan drinking Li Tang after a arduous conversation with Qin Nanyangzi, I'm like, yes, this is right. I understand. So in the future, if your throat is dry and want a sweet drink to help, try out some pear soup. It is super simple to make. Like I said, just cut up some of the pears and boil it for a while. And you got yourself a really delicious, warm soup. You can also drink it cold. I like it warm, but there's that. And next, we want to discuss this idiom, yang tang zhi fei. This was spoken by Ming Lan when she tries to persuade Gu Tingye to let her deal with the servants. The literal translation is this. There's a pot of boiling water, and to stop the water from overflowing, you simply ladle out some of the water, and voila, the water will stop boiling. But the problem is, it doesn't actually solve the problem that you'll inevitably have water that will boil over. So basically, it's... Um, you found a quick and easy way to solve a problem in the short term, but this won't solve your problem forever. Milan then says, why not fu di chosin, which, as we discussed in episode 39, means remove the firewood to solve the problem forever. So Gu Tingye says, let me just remove the nannies. And Milan says, this is just a yang tang zhi fei option, which means... You know, solve it in the short term, but you won't get rid of it forever. Why not do a fu di chosin option, which means to remove the firewood and solve this problem forever? 
The first mention of the idiom Yang Tang Zhi Fei appeared in the Book of Han, so the second century AD, about a story that happened in the second century BC. Liu Pi, a prince of Wu, decided to rebel against the Emperor Han Jingdi, or the Emperor Jing of Han. One of his courtiers tried to persuade the prince against this action, saying that whatever you do won't solve the problem. It's just like ladling water. But the prince ignored him, and after the failed rebellion, of course, was executed. Hence, the birth of this idiom. Pretty cool, right? And uh, if you just understood or learned this, Minglan, put it right, you need to figure out a different way to solve the issue that are the staff in your household. Listen to your wife. She'll have a plan. And lastly, let's discuss some book differences. The drama, I would say, accentuates much more of the personalities of the quote-unquote evil servants. We see a lot more of Nanny Lai's ill deeds. This isn't much shown in the book. Rather, it's described as, you know, this is what Nanny Lai does. Nanny Lai and the maids are also shown in the drama to be more bold in their belittling of Ming Lan. You hear Nanny Lai gossip about Ming Lan to other maids, and she's very haughty when Ming Lan gives basically her old job back to her in uh, the new Cheng Yuan or Cheng Gardens. The drama currently makes it seem as though Ming Lan does not have a master plan. It'll take a couple of episodes to see what Milan is up to. In the book, the servants are actually very astonished at Milan's prowess and abilities. She posts a full set of servant schedules and rules a few days after the interrogation, and the Chung Gardens begin to form the shape of a grand house shortly after. Of course, Nanny, Lai, and the Spice are still wreaking some havoc, but it's not as blatant as it is in the book. Minglan has a more feared reputation amongst the servants in the book. Moving on to other events, the book also goes into a lot more detail about other family events. Hua Lan, Minglan's oldest sister, has a third child at this point, and Chang Bai, Minglan's second brother's wife, has another daughter. Rongjie in the book is still just a timid girl at this point and does not have a good rapport with Minglan. The drama disposes with this aspect of the book. And probably moving forward, I'll just touch upon it a little bit more. I'll say this, the drama and the book with regards to Rongjie are completely divergent at this point. Well, that is that for this episode. If you haven't checked out already, go to our website with the latest drama reviews we've done or follow along with the dramas we're currently watching. If you are looking for sites to watch and are in the U.S., head over to Jubao TV. That's J-U-B-A-O TV. It's a free service that has a selection of Chinese dramas and movies to watch. You can stream it through the website Jumo, that's X-U-M-O, or else access it on TV if you have Xfinity or Cox Contour. Again, all of this is free. The music you heard is the zither piece called Lan with the sheet music by Bing Jiu Wo Niu Jun and played by Karen. Thank you all for joining and we'll see you next time.